Hey, friends. On this week's episode of our Retro Forensics Faces series, in which we chat with coaches from all over the country, we're speaking with Trey Smith, the coach from East Mountain High School near Albuquerque, New Mexico. Trey is also his district NSDA chair, and we asked him about his relationship with his administration. Trey's former principal was recognized by the NSDA for supporting the speech and debate program at his school. Melissa and I also just had a really good time learning about how speech and debate in New Mexico in some ways resembles what we do here in Wisconsin, and in some ways is very different. Here's our conversation with Trey. Hey, Trey, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. We're really yes, excited. Yes, we really to... appreciate it. So first of all, and I think you were the one who had mentioned you had actually heard the podcast before. I have. So you know what a podcast is. That puts you a couple steps ahead of some of the other coaches I have asked to be on the That's podcast. So That's so sad. I mean, I only associate <laughs> with people who run podcasts. Is that true? <laughs> That's I mean... There's plenty of them out there, so that's a really easy choice to make. Exactly. If you're not doing a podcast, like, you're so 2003. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so but just yeah. on on background, um, and, and just to get to know a little bit about you, where are you currently coaching? What's your day job? What What is your life like on a daily basis? Those are a lot of great questions. <laughs> so... <laughs> I am uh, I'm currently the coach at East Mountain High School. We are a small charter school in the mountains outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and I've been coaching ever since 2000, though. So I originally coached for my alma mater, which was Manzano High School. And so I was an assistant coach right after graduation. Uh, then I moved to the University of New Mexico. Um, and there I was able to kind of get a college team going. And I did that for several years. And ran a big tournament there. And then I really wanted to get back into high school coaching. And so back in 2007, I took the job at East Mountain and started the team from scratch here. And it's been going great. Our um, our team has grown so much over the years, over the past 10 years. We kind of double in size every year. And I was hired to be a humanities instructor. And that's what I was for about nine years. But recently I moved into a new role. I'm now our school's foundation director. Um, So my job day to day is actually fundraising and marketing and communications for the school. Uh, But I still run the speech debate team because that's always going to be my passion. So there's literally nothing you haven't done. Like you've literally done it all. (laughs) Pretty much. I'm terrible at math. I don't ever teach math. Oh, my God. Me too. (laughs) We don't count that when we say good at everything. We don't mean (laughs) math or science. No. (laughs) So yeah, it's been it's been a great time here, and um, I'm also the district chair of New Mexico. New Mexico is is its own standalone district, um, and I've been the district chair for five or six years now. Um, so I've really enjoyed helping to grow our activity throughout the state, um, and it's a big challenge. Well, since you brought up uh, what what it's like in New Mexico, I would love to hear just a little bit more about what is forensics like where you are from, um, because we often feel when we go to national tournaments, when we talk about 
forensics or, or speech, as some states call it, uh, that we just have a very different system in Wisconsin. So, like, how right. many how many tournaments do you guys go to? Who runs those tournaments? Do you travel a lot? Um, you know, how important is getting to nationals for you guys? Just, you know, what what is that like in New Mexico? So New Mexico forensics, it's very it's highly rural. So, but kind of based around the central hub of Albuquerque, um, Santa Fe is about an hour north of Albuquerque. So most tournaments fall into that geographic range where you're either competing somewhere in Albuquerque, somewhere in Santa Fe. Uh, but a lot of our schools, they have to come from far. If they're coming from Las Cruces, which is about five hours south, or they're coming from Farmington, which is another five hours north, um, it's a big state. And so it's hard to get everyone together. Um, but we do try to offer tournaments at least every other weekend. And like I said, mostly in the Albuquerque area. Um, most of our tournaments uh, will offer all the traditional uh, NSDA events. Um, so we don't really have anything funky in terms of doing specialized events out here. You know, even the new events that you're missing that, out, man. Really? <laughs> well, I don't know. The jury is out on that one. We have we have a lot of categories in Wisconsin. We have so many. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. yeah. We, well, we're currently at 17, not counting student congress, and we used to have 19. We actually eliminated a couple a couple years ago. Wow. Yeah. How dare you not count student congress? What I mean? Well, don't so even get me started. 18, including student congress. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> And I, I don't know, a lot of our events have just always mirrored what Nationals is doing. You know, we even were doing, we called it expository, but we've mm -hmm. been doing informative as Nationals has introduced this past year. We've been doing that, the same method, 10 minutes with a visual aid for many decades. So I think that helped us kind of adjust to a lot of those, um, the new events by NSDA. Um, same thing with POI. We've been doing that that same way as Nationals for a while now. Um, so I think that's helpful. And you kind of asked as part of your question, what does nationals mean to us? And I think that is that is kind of the premier thing in our state is getting to nationals. Um, I know other districts, it might, you know, maybe Catholic nationals might be a bigger deal. But uh, for us, going to nationals is is the big thing. And we've been going for a while and uh, our district has seen quite a bit of success at the national level in certain events. Um, you know, I'd say we're strongest in things like Congress, extemp, oratory. Um, and TERP is hard for us in New Mexico. Um, I'm not sure exactly why that is. I, I think it's we don't have as much of a theater program like Minneapolis might have. Right. I think other districts might have like some of that crossover. Like our students are in the, uh, the production of The Lion King and now they're going to do H.I. And of course, they're already amazing. So uh, it, you know, we still do interpret. We qualify kids. They do. They do well. But it's not, it's not as our bread and butter as the other events. I'm curious who decides in New Mexico. What is the governing body that decides what categories you're going to do? Uh, yeah. So we actually our state tournament is run by our New Mexico Speech and Debate Association, which is also affiliated with our Activities Association, the NMAA. And so when we're running a state tournament, that's the body that decides those events. Um, and because we're also, our district is the New Mexico district, that's something we've tried to, we've tried to mirror both more and more over the years. You know, before mm -hmm. we would, ver if the state would say, no, we're, we don't want to do what Nationals is doing because we want to be autonomous and we like what we're doing. But it was just getting kind of silly because, you know, we would do state and then two weeks later we do NatQuals. 
and that it'd be the same students doing the same events. Um, and so now we try to mirror everything a lot better. And so if Nationals makes a rule change, we'll probably follow it um, immediately in our state. That must be so nice. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was... there, are good things, uh, there are good things about it, but there's bad things about it. Um, and, you know, because a lot of coaches still want to fight, like they want to do their own thing. Um, but, I, you know, I'm of the mindset, like we should, if we want to get better at a national level, we should always just kind of follow what's going on the, the national trend and try to try to replicate that. Is that mindset pretty common among the coaches you meet in New Mexico that that nationals is something to strive for and it's a model to follow? It is, especially, you know, well, this year we have a lot of new coaches. Um, and that's so great. that's something I've been working on is, yeah, how to how to kind of nurture them and as professionals and how to bring them into the activity more. Um, and so they kind of just go with the flow. So we don't have like a lot of divisions of old school coaches wanting to see things go the way they used to be. That's really, we don't have that problem too much anymore. Um, if you ever want to hear about it, we do. So I, was, we, <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, it's, it's a good thing this is a podcast and people can't see the faces that Melissa and I are probably <laughs> making. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, I'm like envious of that because as, as Kurt and I have talked about before, we, we always strive to do that. But what we end up doing here in Wisconsin is we get our kids to state. And then after that, we pretty much will redo their performances and reblock them and like change the cuttings of them to make them more nationally competitive because as they compete in the regular season, we're trying to appease a completely different audience of coaches and judges than we are when we go to compete sure. at nationals. Yeah. And you guys are kind of the, I mean, you're the home of speech and debate in the country, right? And so mm -hmm. there's gotta be coaches who, you know, consider it, like changing the constitution of America or something like it's just such a sacred thing, whatever. Oh, they act like we're trying to set it on fire in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> exactly. So I can imagine that's a little rough, um, but we've been lucky over the past few years to have a little more autonomy and uh, just kind of try to follow the national trend if we can. And, uh, and with a lot of newer coaches, um, you know, sometimes they try to run a tournament that, um, like last weekend, we had a great one. La Cueva um, just hosted a really big tournament with a brand new coach. This is her first year. And it was an amazing tournament. She had her wow. students um, recruit a bunch of judges and they had too many judges. And that's a great problem to have. Wow. Yeah. So shout out to La Cueva. Um, you know, we've had other new coaches try this year um, to host something and they just weren't ready for the magnitude of how mm -hmm. many volunteers they would need. Um and so that's something we're working on is um, but kudos, we just had our kudos to new coaches who are ready to run a tournament. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> and, you know, running tournaments here is interesting. Something I've been trying to push more recently is um, more focusing on one day tournaments. A lot of schools have just we're used to the model of the full two day experience starting Friday at two o'clock, going all night and then. Saturday, it's 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And that's just such a commitment, especially for a new coach to do that. Um, and so with so many new coaches, I've been saying, well, let's just do some one-day tournaments. Mm -hmm. And it'll be easier on your judge pool. It'll also be easier for travel. Most of the teams who are coming to our tournaments have to travel pretty far. And if they can do a one-day and only have to pay for the cost of one night of hotel, um, that'll make a big difference too. So I've been trying to push that kind of model as well. And that's something I was curious about you guys in Wisconsin. Like, are you always doing the two day or do you have one day models? No, the only thing that 
we all of our regular competition happens just on the one day on Saturdays. And most of the time, the only competition that's happening on Friday night is that's when we're holding um, our student congressional debate sessions is on Friday night, which is one of the reasons why it's not as popular in our state as it should and could be Mm -hmm. because there's that issue of trying to find the places to do it and the people who want to host it on Friday nights. But yeah. Oh my gosh. The idea of being in a Saturday tournament from 8am to 8pm. Like I get anxious when we're still in the award ceremony at like four o'clock. I'm like, guys, why is this taking so long? (laughs) Right. And I just can't imagine the two day thing. Yeah. Okay. That's good to hear. (laughs) And I'd like to, I'm going to quote you on that, but (laughs) please do. (laughs) Yeah. Feel free. Cause I feel like every invitational, right. is just practice until you're getting to state or until you're getting to districts. So make those the tournaments that are stressful and long. Uh, All the others can just kind of be a practice tournament in my opinion. Yeah, no, I like that belief. Yeah. Cool. But again, we, in our state, we have lots of schools that don't do national qualifiers. They're not, they might be a part of like the NSDA for the resources and sort of like getting to have the students be in the honor society for it, but they don't compete in qualifiers to go to nationals, whether it be financially or they just don't want to. And so there are plenty of schools where our regular season tournaments are for them. Like every single weekend is a really big deal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. But we also, yeah. we have two associations, like two different friends associations with two sort of differing styles uh, and most schools only belong to one or the other. We have a small portion of crossover schools. So that also makes things a little, a little more complicated for us. Yeah. yeah. But it's nice to hear about forensics in a state where things seem to be a little bit easier to handle. Huh. <laughs> I th- and I think part of it is that we do have such a history in forensics. That means we've had a lot of time to have people go their own directions. Uh, yes. But yeah, having the WHSFA, which is more focused on, uh, you know, judging kids individually. So they kind of judge against themselves versus our organization, which is more the national model where you're judged against the people that you're in the round with. Hmm. Um, we have a lot of, a lot of coaches in the state who feel strongly that we should be doing this activity, not to succeed as, as uh, competitors, but rather just to teach. And when that's the mindset then it's really hard to convince people that maybe we should simplify and eliminate some of these extraneous categories uh, because that means some kids won't get a blue ribbon and wouldn't that be terrible? (laughs) Right. But I mean, isn't good teaching showing growth? And I mean, if you're just doing the same performance or you give in the same um, the same speech week to week without trying to improve it and get better. I mean, that's what teaching is. And that's um so that's where the competition aspect of speech and debates, for me, that's where the learning yeah. happens, right? Is I, getting I, that feedback. I think yeah. Melissa and I would agree with you that that I'm doing exactly praise like, hands right now. Com- you can't see, but I'm competition. Right yeah, competition is what breeds that that education. Right. So right, right. yeah, kids aren't motivated by the way that some of that model. A lot of them need that, like literally in room competition. They need that motivation to come from seeing people be better than them. And having to sort of learn from the failures and at least in my opinion, the model that our other association uses isn't providing that to students. But some students don't need that. Some students literally just want to get out, speak their message and then move on, which is fine. It's just not what you do. (laughs) I firmly believe this will be my last point on this tangent, but I firmly believe that it's not the students who believe that it's the coaches who believe that. Mm -hmm. 
I think any student that was put into both systems would would quickly gravitate towards uh, the competitive atmosphere as a way to improve and get better. Well, that's the first thing that happened to me. It's Monday morning. My students run to me and they want their ballots because Mm -hmm. they want to see what they can do better. You know, when I was teaching English, students would never run to me and ask for their paperback so they could read my comments. (laughs) That that doesn't happen. But in speech and debate, it does because they want to know, Okay, I've got in two weeks. I want to be better. I want to learn what I can improve. I love that's that. such restraint that you show waiting until Monday to give them their ballots. My kids get angry because <laughs> we make them wait till we get on the bus after the award <laughs> ceremony. Oh, no, I know. I like to sort through them first and then they get to see them. <laughs> that's I was going to say there are some coaches in, in Wisconsin who do that as well. So, um, all right, let's let's find out a little bit more about Trey. So where did yeah. you grow up? What What was Trey like as a kid or a student? <laughs> uh, so actually, I was. I'm from Louisiana originally. I was born and raised in Shreveport. You don't uh, sound like it. No, when I moved, I quickly lost my accent. Oh. But whenever I go back to visit family, it, it'll come out. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race is from Shreveport. So, oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Chichi Devane. Nice, nice. Shreveport is it's an interesting place and um they still there's some big debate happening there. I didn't I didn't participate in debate when I was there because by the time I moved to high school to Albuquerque, um, to Manzano. And, you know, as a kid, I was, I was definitely a very shy introverted kid. I would still consider myself an introvert, but I think of course, speech and debate transformed my life and made me a little more outgoing, a little more extroverted. Um, so I moved around a lot as a kid. I was real shy. I was real quiet. Uh, but when I moved to Albuquerque, I didn't know a single person and my freshman ninth grade year English teacher was the coach of the speech and debate program. And he saw something in me that he asked me to join the program. Uh, he was the only person who talked to me at the time. So I said, sure. I, <laughs> else I know, so sad. But it worked out for the best. And I, you know, immediately the first thing I did as a freshman was duo and terp. And then I, Whoa. Did this, I know. And I was, I'd never done any acting before or anything. And, um, I got partnered with this senior and they gave us Gone with the Wind as a script. And it was terrible. It was the worst thing. <laughs> I mean, here's this ninth grader playing Rhett Butler. Like, <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, but then I moved into Lincoln Douglas and that's where I really started to run with it and enjoyed it. Um, the debate side really spoke to me. Um, and so I, and I, was, I did Lincoln Douglas for two years and then I tried policy and I also really liked policy. For me, policy was fun because it was more of a game. It was kind of like chess, a little more strategic than just being primarily kind of based on public speaking. Um, so I enjoyed policy. Uh, the best I ever did was, though, in, in humorous interp. By my senior year, I was an alternate to nationals and HI, and that was like my crowning achievement. Wow. Um, we were we were part of a. It was a small team, um, and my the coach who had recruited me he retired by my sophomore year, and I had a really good bond with him, and he was gone. Aww. Uh, and that kind of it kind of sucked because I think the coaching really plays an important role of what you're focusing on. And that was I was just so scattered as a student. You know, I did everything. Um, I did Congress. I did LD. I did public forum, not public forum. That didn't exist yet. Policy, uh, <laughs> HI, uh, oral interp. And I never quite focused. And I think if I had a coach, you know, by junior year telling me, like, here's your strength. Why don't we work on this one event um, and like really pad that out for you? I would have been even more successful. Um, 
than I was. I was just kind of having to figure it out on my own. Um, so, but I still love the activity. I love speech and debate as a student. And I knew right when I graduated, I wanted to continue to, to continue to help coaching. So that's what I did when I went to college. I continued to help my school out and kind of set me on the path that I am on today. That's awesome. That's I'm also a Kurt and I both upon graduation immediately started coaching pretty much mm -hmm. at our alums. Uh, I get to coach at both of my alumni schools. So I always love hearing other people who are brought back by their program, wanting to do what they can to support it. So you are among friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like I'm a better coach than I ever was a competitor. That's oh, for sure. same, same. Yeah. Kurt and I have had this conversation. Kurt was like really good in high school and stuff. And like, I went to nationals once in public forum. There were eight teams that competed at the qualifier, the top three teams all prepped down to other categories. So the bottom five all got to go to nationals and I still cried. So I was like, I actually might be pretend good at something. But my student, I always tell my students, I'm like, yeah, I was, I net qualified for nationals, but they don't all know that I was like, sort of just like shoved in there to fill the spaces, but I'm a right. much better coach than I ever was a competitor, much more motivated as an adult than I was a student. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, what is your family like, like both as growing up and now, because one thing that we talk about a lot with, uh, you know, we do primarily call speech and debate forensics here in Wisconsin, is that our families can know we're doing forensics, but they have no idea what forensics is. Oh, yeah. I still call it debate sometimes. And yeah. I'm like, I've been doing this for 15 years, guys. Can we get it right once? <laughs> do, does your family know what you do and do they support you? <laughs> I'd say they do. My my family's large and complicated. Um, you know, there's been divorces and moving all around the place. So I've got a lot of my family still back in Louisiana. I have my dad who's in New Mexico. Um, my dad's actually a state representative um, in New Mexico. And oh. so that's been cool. Yeah, he's been able to um, actually something we started recently. Um, I started hosting a congressional debate tournament at our state at the Roundhouse, which is our state legislate our capitol building yeah. um cool. and so like having that connection with my dad as a state rep has been cool so we're able to take over the legislature the kids can do congress from wherever the the real senators are doing actual bill crafting so that's pretty cool um and you know like and my family's all over the place and then i got married nine years ago and so that's a whole other new complicated thing you know marrying someone who wasn't a speech and debater trying to how could you I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, congratulations for making that work because that's always people are like, "This is my non-forensics wife." I'm like, "Where? How? Exactly. How does she understand? How do you it's, even it's meet someone like that?" That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> so we met in uh, our grad school program, and you know, when I tried to introduce her to speech and debate, you know, I took her to some tournaments, and she really liked, you know, HI or DI and Duo. She thought those were great. Um, but then as a coach, realizing, oh, okay, you know, especially our two-day model where I'm gone Friday mm -hmm. from 2 p.m. and I don't see her till Sunday morning, maybe. Um, that's been a struggle. And so that's another reason I've been I've been saying this one-day model is so much more sustainable. Like we're just burning out our coaches. Um, I just want to see my family. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This shouldn't be a thing where you have to choose between speech and debate or having a family. Um, and so that's something I'm always big on and trying to advocate for around here. Um, but she gets it and she, you know, she, she's our, our best chaperone if she comes to tournaments. And especially if we travel to 
San Francisco or Boston. She knows how to navigate subways, and that's her job is to get us from point A to point B. Um, and, you know, so my family, they, on one hand, they don't get it because, like, why would you spend so much time doing that? But they've also seen how much success I've had and how much it's benefited my career. Um, but they, they know the benefit. that they, they know it's a good thing to do. That's fantastic. Big forensics faces shout out to all of the forensic spouses who put up with us. Yes. Here, Thank here. you. <laughs> so one of the reasons we wanted to chat with you specifically is I had talked to Steve Shapaw and Dino Pape at the NSDA Nationals office, and I kind of gave them this list of topics that I really wanted to engage with other coaches on. And one of them was on how to have a good relationship with your school administration and or your school board. And they came back really quickly with your name and said, you've got this great relationship with your administration. Um, so I wanted to ask you about that. Like, what is what is that relationship like from your perspective? Um, and how did you get to the point where you are now? Yeah, so I think one of the reasons they probably asked me is a few years ago, I, I nominated our principal. Um, he's not the principal here anymore, but he was the principal um, for about seven years when I was kind of growing our program. Um, principal Doug Wine, I nominated him for the National Principal of the Year, and he won that, and it was great to honor him at the national tournament. I had a feeling. Um, that yeah, was. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really cool. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, I, you know, I started the team from scratch. And so this was 10 years ago. And this is actually before Principal Doug Wine. We had another principal. And I just kind of told her when I got the job, I said, I'm planning to do this. You don't really need to worry about it. I know what I'm doing. I've run programs before. Um, and she said, go get them. Um, and then so that was in her last year. And it was actually my first year. And then the new principal comes in and the relationship I formed with him really, I think, actually helped transform our program because uh, Mr. Wine was very much, um, he always liked to ask what's next of, of his programs, you know, even the athletic program and say, okay, we only are offering these sports. Why don't we look at doing some others? Um, we weren't offering AP classes at the time. Maybe we should, mm. you know, think about that. So he's always kind of pushing the envelope and that, that, that mindset, definitely, we felt it in speech and debate land because, you know, I would say, oh, we took six kids to this tournament and we came home with a small school sweepstakes. And he said, well, what, what, what would it take to get to the next category, to the large school sweepstakes? Um, and, you know, I'd work with him on how to do that. And wow. he would, it was cool because he would, he'd come to practices. He would, Aww. I know, he would, um, he would give kids feedback on their oratories and, um, uh, whatever we'd leave on the bus at 3 a.m. to get to a state tournament, he would show up just to see us off, that sort of thing. Oh, my thing. gosh. I know. emotional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just having that involvement, that support, um, just made every student, and I like feel like they were part of something bigger, and they really saw the role that Speech and Debate played within the school. And um, and he, you know, he didn't have much Speech and Debate experience, but I think when he saw the events we were doing, like that is academic excellence. And like he realized the top writers at our school or the top 10 in the class, you know, from valedictorian, mm -hmm. salutatorian, they're all debaters. And you're starting to realize, okay, if we can support this program, see this program grow, it's probably going to filter to other students and into other classes. Um, and so just that level of support we had from him, I think, was crucial. Um, and so that's kind of the difference between having like a principal who tolerates you or like, you know, supports, but, you know, doesn't get actively involved. He was actively involved and in, um, with our program. 
And I think because we're a small school, um, you know, you know, we have 360 students total on our campus. Um, so speech and debate has kind of become, it's the cool thing to do on our, at our school. It's like, oh my gosh, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, and so like our, you know, debate presidents, like the quarterback for the football team around here. Um, so it's, it's really, I think helps transform a lot of our classes and having that support really helped. Um, and when you're trying to, um, advocate to other principals. And so now we have a new principal who is also great. Um, she wasn't, didn't have a lot of background knowledge in speech and debate land. Um, but she could tell like when she was interviewing to come here, she knew that East mountain high school was known for its debate program and that she should probably chat with me and figure out what she can do to kind of help out with, with the program. And so she's been great as well. And I just think constantly keeping those lines of communication open is important. Um, I think I heard you guys talk about this on the last episode, like always letting the school know about results of previous tournaments. Um, that's a big thing. And that's kind of helped our new principal get with it and realize like, oh, they're beating school, like they're beating large private schools. They're beating uh, public schools that are five times our size. Like, so there must mm -hmm. be something cool going on there. Yeah. And, and so you mentioned before that you are coaching at a charter school. Yeah. Uh, I took on it, started taking on a team last year that I had attended. And when I was in high school, that is also a charter school, but it's even smaller. They have just around a hundred kids and they have like no after school program. So what is the after school program like at your charter school? Like, do you have lots of other clubs or is it really just sort of like a few smatterings of like art clubs and like AP and SAT prep classes or. Yeah. And we have quite a few, and uh, for a charter school, or actually our sports program is pretty big. We've got 14 different sports, which is wow. pretty cool. I mean, for a, a new charter school and only 360 students, and a lot of them are involved in those. Um, and we do a good job of, you know, recruiting from all facets of the school. You know, a couple of years ago, my best, my HI guy who qualified in the nationals was also our school's pitcher on the baseball team, like a, mm. a amazing pitcher. And, um, my best LD of all time was also our fastest cross country runner of all time. Um, and I think trying to find ways to complement, um, like in those various skill areas is, is important and helps us out. Um, it does make scheduling practices a little more difficult. Um, you know, when the soccer season's here, I lose a lot of kids, but then they're back whenever soccer season's done. Um, but I think that's, why our program has grown so much is because I'm not a stickler for you have to come after school every day for a practice. We, we work around their schedules and because we're actually, we're also kind of in a rural area, we're in the mountains and we're, our geographic area is probably, we have kids who are making a 50 minute commute to school. Wow. Um, mm. Yeah. And so it's hard to find those times, but sometimes they can meet before school. Sometimes we can meet during a advocacy or lunch period. Sometimes it's after school. Um, so just finding that time has been important to grow the program and not just say, if you can't make Tuesdays after school, you're not part of the team. That really wouldn't work for us to grow the program. Um, so being flexible has been really important as well. And, you know, it's filtered to other activities. We also offer, we have a strong youth and government program, a strong model UN team. And, you know, most of the students who do well on those are also debaters. Mm -hmm. um, so we try, I work with those advisors to try to help each other out for sure. I'm hearing, and you can so correct exciting. me if, yeah, if, if this is not a correct assessment, but kind of what I'm, I'm hearing from you is that if you have no other way of getting the attention of your administration, 
Uh, one way to do that would be to make your team really good, even if it's small. <laughs> Work around their schedules, make sure they're getting the attention they need as a coach, and then bring home some trophies. Uh, and, yeah. and that will get, uh, you know, and from an administrator's point of view, that makes sense, that they would want to support programs that are good publicity for the school. But especially when it comes to speech and debate, the fact that it also usually uh, supports what's happening academically uh, that once you start to look at those, as you said, the list of valedictorians <laughs> and look right. where they what they do for fun, we're often seeing forensics on that list of things uh, that our valedictorians are doing. So, yeah, exactly. You just you have to communicate that. And even when you start small, like I tell new coaches, there's no reason you have to do every single event at your first tournament. Start small, just start in Lincoln Douglas and next step or just focus on those. And if you get a finalist in one of those you play that up and you say, mm -hmm. we were going against the top schools in our area and we have a third place finisher. Um, and you kind of have that humble brag moment. And I think the principals like that. Um, something else I do as the district chair in New Mexico, every summer I always spend time reaching out to principals of schools that currently are not offering programs. Um, and so I have a letter that I send to all those principals, encouraging them to find someone to sponsor the program. And the two biggest barriers are usually the first one is like, I, I don't think I can find a teacher willing to take this on mm -hmm. and um, because it is a big time commitment. And what I what I'd like to say is, you know, try to find someone, maybe a younger teacher who's just starting out in their career, who's looking for that niche, that place where they can start um, carving out their piece of the campus and uh, making it their thing. Um, that's who they need to target. You're not going to get a teacher who's been teaching for 15, 20 years to take on a new activity, but you're going to get like that first or second year teacher. They might be willing to, um, especially, and that's a way for a new teacher to, you know, prove their worth if there's every state's having budget issues. Right. And so mm -hmm. if they're going to start cutting teachers, they're going to like, if that teacher can say, I started the speech and debate program, I'm needed on this campus. I think that's, that'll go far. Um, that's great. The other thing I, yeah, the other is thing that letter from, something you'd be willing to share with us that we could absolutely. perhaps share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I will send that your way. That'd be great. Thank you. Uh, and the other thing I address in the letter is some of the principals will tell me we already do debate, um, but they aren't actually doing, you know, real debate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they'll say, like, <laughs> they'll say, oh, we've got a mock trial team. And they'll say, oh, we've got a model UN program. And they just and they say, like, well, that's enough. Um, and so actually in the letter, I have a whole paragraph where I address that. And I say, you know, model UN, youth and government, those things are great. However, they're kind of built around like a one weekend, one and done shot. Mm -hmm. Speech and debate is ongoing and it's um, something that can really transform your academic program. Um, you know, not to demean those other activities, but they're just not as cool as us, right? <laughs> they're not. <laughs> you will get no dissent from us. Okay, good. <laughs> so I just, the line is like, if you're interested in improving test scores, getting kids into college, speech, you have to offer speech and debate, bottom line. That is fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple questions just on, uh, that we always think are fun to ask coaches. Uh, what is your favorite forensics category? It is a constant battle between extemp and Congress for me is my favorite category. Um, Do you prefer you know, international or domestic? Oh, also a great question. I, I'd say <laughs> international. Uh, I'm uh, a domestic coming out of right field sorry. with that. 
They're left field with that hard hitting question, Melissa. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I love extemp. It's just not it's not very well like liked in our state. And so it's one of those things where like a judge will get their their assignments and be like, oh, I just have to judge extemp. I'm like, no, that's awesome. You're so lucky. And like I get so excited getting to judge extemp like on the national level where kids are like quoting like economics like books that have been published and not just like New York times articles and getting to watch them like do deep analysis. And so I love extemp. It's just hard in our state. So I'm always really excited to find out if someone's an international or domestics person. Yeah. You know, the thing with extemp about coaching it that I love is I feel like that one of any other category, the student is most in control of their success. So like, like an interp, like if you pick the wrong piece at the beginning of the year, um, you might just be screwed for the whole year. Um, and debate is just a hot mess in terms of judging, right? You, yes. you never know what a judge is. You can have the best evidence. You can like not drop anything on the flow, but still lose in debate. Um, extemp, there's always ways to like, you're in control of it. I can always add more sources. I can be more fluent in my delivery. Like there's always things you can do to improve and see that results translate. So I think there's less likely to see like squirrely weird judging in extemp. Um, and that's one of the, that's one of the reasons I like it a lot. Um, Congress is cool just because of the it's so different with the camaraderie that everyone is in that room together to have 20 students competing at the same time. And it's a very different skill set. You know, so much part of Congress is being a nice and good person. I know, um, right? Yeah. And you don't see that in other events as much. Like, Heck no. <laughs> or in real Congress. <laughs> right. <Hey>. Or, hey. <laughs> exactly. But uh, if you're a good person, like it shines in Congress. And I like that about Congress for sure. Um, so yeah, it's between those two. It kind of depends on my mood at the time. So <laughs> cool. And this is now, sort of a... like a go ahead. I was gonna, I was asking if you do you have like a standout moment as like either a student or as a coach that like when you are having a really bad forensics day that you like think back on fondly to be like okay, this moment is a reminder that everything that I'm struggling through is worth it. <laughs> yeah, I've you know got a lot of those. Um, one of the highlights probably of our, you know, when I created this team um, in 2012, we had a student, Quinlan Cow, who was named the National Student of the Year. Um, and that was probably the highlight in terms of student success that I remember. Um, and our whole district was just behind this, this guy, even though he was from our school, from East Mountain. Um, everyone in New Mexico, like at the award ceremony, at the National Award Ceremony, when he was up there as a finalist and then they called his name or just our state went crazy. That was Aww. just, an, uh, wow. yeah, it was an amazing feeling to have a national student of the year. Um, but just, you know, every day, the chance to work with students on like these cool issues, like what other job gets to do that? And that's why I find this so rewarding. Um, you know, right now we're actually something else I do with my team is the IPPF, the International Public Policy Forum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this activity. Um, we've been doing this for seven years now. Um, my students have made it to the final eight in New York three times, and we're in the top 32 right now. And that activity I've found a lot of success in because it's just the writing that you have to do, the amount of time and research that students have to put into that activity, and then the reward, getting a free trip to New York, is pretty cool. Um, and so I love, I love working with my IPPF team every year. And um, I don't know, it's it's... When, I, when I've taken those students to New York and it's the, a lot of their students, it's their first time 
on a subway. It's some of them, it's their first time ever flying on an airplane. And I love those experiences when I get to travel with my team where they get to get outside their comfort zone a little, they're learning a little more real world skills. And I think that's, you know, probably what I like most about the activity. Aw, I that's completely fantastic. 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're almost running up against our time limit, but is there anything else you wanted to share or say or uh, you, you have a public, yeah, pro, pro, you have a podcast, I understand. You can totally plug your own stuff at this point. <laughs> yeah, we host a podcast like everyone should be doing now. Gosh, um, Timbercast, if you look it up, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, that's our school mascot is the Timberwolves. So everything we do here is Timber something. So we have a Timber <laughs> Fest or we have Timber Con. We host that anime convention. Um, so we have a, a Timber Fest and that's our podcast. And it's been going cool. We do it weekly and we interview different faculty, students, uh, community members. We're trying to find ways to kind of broaden the appeal so it's not just related to our school, but anyone in, interested in education could listen. And I think that's something you guys are doing with forensic faces, right? You're trying to kind of broaden the appeal, not so much just a bunch of Wisconsin in jokes, right? It's yeah. <laughs> I love how you just said Wisconsin too. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question about Wisconsin though. Like I've heard the cheesehead thing, right? Like, can huh? you you can only wear the cheesehead if you're from Wisconsin? Is that a thing? Oh God. Okay. That's... Here's the issue though. Go. You've yeah. asked a Packers football related question. And Kurt and I are bad at sport things, so bad I don't actually—I <laughs> don't know the lore behind the the cheese head. I mean, I now know it's expanded to many other hat shapes outside of just a wedge of cheese. You can be a, mm-hmm. a cheese cowboy head and <laughs> a cheese fedora head, a cheese but, trucker hat. Yeah, like there's yes. lots of options. But yeah, it's really—it's centered around the Packers. It's not a—it's not even necessarily a Wisconsin thing. It's a Packers thing. Right, specifically. If you're a Packers fan, go right ahead. But I, Maybe not today, but. I've heard that. Actually, it was our principal. Our current principal is from Wisconsin. And like I said, oh, I want to wear a cheese head. And she said, no, you can only put that on if you were born in Wisconsin. And oh, I you'll that, have to let us know where she's from in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I'll look into that. Yeah, our best, kind of our best to her, and we trust her on the cheese hat because that's not our gig. <laughs> yeah, probably knows more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other thing I'd like to plug, I guess, is just I'm always looking for ways to collaborate kind of across the country. I have friends who are uh, district chairs in other places and coaches in other places. And, you know, even this conversation today, it's interesting to hear how other states are running tournaments, how they're doing things. I think there's a lot to learn from from each other. And I'd like to continue to do that. I think this podcast is a great way to do that. Um, You know, connecting on social media, email, whatever we can do to learn from each other is a, is a big thing. So I'm always open to that. Well, that's so nice. We love making more friends. Yay. Do you have, do you have a social media that we, people can reach out to you via or an email address you want to give out? Yeah. Well, I'm on, I'm on everything. I'm on Facebook, Trey Smith. I'm on Twitter, T Smith 505. Uh, my email is T Smith at East mountain high.net. Um, and so, yeah, I like just trying to, Network with as many people as we can and try to grow speech and debate everywhere. Awesome. You're here. Yeah. You're here. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Trey. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so, so much. And hopefully Thanks. we will uh, connect in real life sometime in the near future. Let's make it a date. I like it. Thanks Definitely. for having me.
Forensics Faces is recorded and edited in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hammeister. Special thanks to Steve Shapaw and Dino Pape of the NSDA for connecting me with the folks featured in this series. If you're a fan of Forensics Faces, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. The more we're reviewed, the easier it is for others to find out about us. More information is available at ForensicsFaces.com, and we hope you connect with us on Facebook and Twitter by searching Forensics Faces. This is Kurt, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak, preferably in that order. Music